If you have your Bibles, turn with me uh, to the book of First Thessalonians chapter 3. And as Pastor mentioned, we're going to be going uh, back, back to chapter 3. Uh, we are going to be in verse 11, 12, and 13. And if you've been following us uh, by now, you might, might be a First Thessalonian history expert. We've all been kind of... Uh, Touching on, on, the, on the history or what's going on in, in this book. And I'd like to just kind of touch a little bit of uh, what's going on. Um, this, this book was, is a letter from the Apostle Paul uh, to the church in uh, the city of Thessalonica. And it's, it was written by the Apostle Paul, but we know it was inspired by God and, and by His Spirit. And, and um, he wrote it to the church in this, uh, in the city of Thessalonica, it was a church where, a city where he was uh, preaching and discipling, and, and he started this this church. And he was only able to be there for just a couple weeks before he was persecuted out uh, due to his uh, due to the preaching of, of the gospel. And uh, as uh, as a result of that, he had to go to other cities and. He was able to continue his, his ministry, but uh, over time he, he starts to become kind of uh, burdened and worried about the status of the church back in, in Thessalonica. So he decides to send uh, Timothy right to, uh, back and to check on how the church uh, is, is doing. And Timothy returns with some very good news, uh, some very uh, encouraging news to Paul. I'm sure he was very happy to hear uh, what he had to say. And so this is basically a response of, from Paul to the news that uh, Timothy had brought back to him. And it's a great letter. It's very uh, encouraging, and, but also very challenging. And so we find ourselves here in, in these last verses, chapter 3, of, uh, we have a prayer uh, from Paul, obviously to God. Uh, and he has... Uh, a challenge or, or a desire to, to, um, to the church in regards to the church in, in, in Thessalonica. And so he's praying, he's praying to, to God uh, what, what he would have, uh, what his desire would be to, uh, for the church in, in Thessalonica. So let's um, um, kind of begin with the reading of uh, the verses for tonight. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11, 12, and 13. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all His saints. I'd like to speak tonight of this subject of increasing and abounding in love. Um, something that perhaps kind of sounds, it's a lot easier to say than, than to do, to increase and abound in, in love. Um, but it's definitely something I believe that we all need to be doing. And, and we can see here in, in these verses um, how is it that we can increase and abound in love and why or what are the benefits of increasing and abounding in, 
in love. Um, these verses obviously center around the topic of love. Some, love is something that we uh, hear about very often in, in the world. Uh, we often hear expressions like one love or even that we need to love each other and love each other uh, better. Uh, but um, it's definitely the world has given its own meaning uh, in comparison to what the Bible talks about uh, uh, with love. And I, I think that um, for us Christians, love is, is the, the theme or the topic is one, if not the, the most important ones that we see in, in the Bible. And, and Paul here puts a great uh, emphasis and a great uh, uh, weight on this topic of increasing and abounding in love. And um, I don't know about, about you, but especially around these, these times, uh, my bank account is not increasing and abounding. It's <laughs> It may uh, increase from time to time, but it quickly right, de decreases. And so if it's not increasing, then it's definitely not abounding. But this, this word to, to increase means to do or to, to make more, to to abound, something that is made to increase, to make over, to have over. The word, um, sorry, that was the word increase. The word abound means to superabound, something in quality and in quantity as well, to be in excess, to be, um, to superabound, to excel, uh, to have in abundance, to have something enough and even to spare. Um, to excel, and I think we kind of get, uh, we understand what it's talking about. It's talking about growing and, and increasing and, you know, even, even to, to have something in excess, in spare, to be overflowing. Um, and I think that's what, uh, that's what Paul here is, is saying, that, he's pray, that he prays that God make them to increase, to grow, and to abound in, in love. Uh, Paul tells us at the beginning of uh, verse 12, he says, and God make you. And I believe that if we are going to increase and abound in, in love, we first must know the source of our love, where, where it's coming from. Even if we want to increase or, or be better at something, uh, it's always good to know the source, right? If, if you want to be physically stronger, it's good to know where that strength comes from. And it comes from your body, it comes from, from your muscles. So you must know that where the source of, of that physical strength is to be able to, to grow. And similar for us, for us, I think if we want to increase or if we're going to increase in abounding love, I think that we have to know uh, the source of this of this love. And uh, Pastor Will, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he preached on genuine love, right, and what that looks like for us um, as a church and as Christians. And he said something at the beginning. Uh, he said, if you're struggling with love or with loving, he said, come to the cross. And I think that 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 is the place to go, right? Why? Because I think that's at least a picture of, of where we see where the love was 
uh, where the love of God was, was shown. Uh, and so I think that that is um, something very important for us to know that our source of love is, is God. I work in the oil and gas industry and our, our main, the, what we do, the focus is to find uh, petroleum, right? To find a source of hydrocarbons, oil, however you may want to, to call it. So what we do is find a source of petroleum. And uh, there's lots of sources, right, all around the world, and some onshore, some offshore, but thank God that uh, our source of love is just one, right? Uh, uh, just God, that is our source of love. Um, the Bible tells us in, in 1 John uh, 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. God, love is of God, and love, and, and love is God. And God can make us increase uh, and abound in love, as Paul is mentioning here, because he is love, because he has love, and he is our source. Um, we, in our own strength, in our own uh, sinful nature, cannot increase in that love because we do not have that love unless we have God in, in our hearts. The Bible tells us that, uh, that um, in, in, in Jeremiah 17, 9, 10, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Someone uh, I read said, true love cannot be generated on a human level. And it cannot because we do not have, unless we have God's love or God in our hearts, we Amen. cannot increase and abound in, in that love. So it's very important, I think, for us to know that our source of this love is God. Um, uh, Pastor Wood touched on this when he was preaching on genuine love of the three terms of love, right? That uh, classical Greek uh, used in the Bible, and, and I like the way that somebody put it. Uh, the first one being, uh, not first, but one of them being uh, phileo, or uh, where we get, uh, where the word Philadelphia derived from, and, and he, this person puts it very simple. It's the love, it's a love that gives and takes, right? A, a brotherly love, best expressed uh, in a friendship. The other one being eros, uh, and it's a love that takes. One loves another strictly for what he or she can get out of that person, uh, typically of the world's sexual and lustful desires, which are always bent towards self-gratification. And the last one, and the one that Paul is speaking of here, is agape, uh, the love that gives completely unselfish, with no taking involved, the highest form of love. It seeks another supreme good, no matter what the cost is. And agape love was exemplified perfectly by Jesus Christ on the cross, by this perfect sacrifice on our behalf. And that is the love that we are talking about here, the, the love that Paul wants the church to increase and abound. Uh, 
And we're looking at here as God being the source. And what kind of source is this? There's lots of different uh, characteristics, I guess, that we can talk about in God's love that we would spend uh, countless hours talking about. And I just kind of want to cover just a couple. Uh, Going back to the example of an, an oil reservoir, uh, well, these, these sources of, of oil, of petroleum, eventually, no matter how big they can be, uh, they will run out. Uh, some of them produce billions of oil, uh, of barrels of oil um, in their lifetime, but eventually uh, they run out. Um, but one amazing and wonderful thing to know is that God's love doesn't run out. Uh, God's love is eternal, everlasting. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 31, 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Isn't it just wonderful and amazing to know that God loves us and he loves us with an everlasting love? This word means eternal without end. Um, Psalms 136 talks about God's mercy being forever, right? And and God's love is forever as well. The the Bible tells us in Psalms 136, 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Charles Spurgeon said, Never did his love begin, and never can it cease. It is from eternity and shall be to eternity. It's just wonderful to be able to know that God loves us with an everlasting love. We sang the, the, the song, the hymn tonight, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. And as James said it best, I've not passed away, I'm not going to sing it. Um, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty, a mighty ocean, in its fullness over me, underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love, leading onward, leading homeward, to thy glorious rest above. It's just wonderful to know that God loves us with an everlasting love. Secondly, I like to see that God's love is great. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. This word means largely abundant, great, plenteous. Uh, Romans 8, 37, 39, a verse that we uh, probably have heard several times. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love is so great that nothing can separate it from us. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abided faith, hope, Charity or love, these three, 
but the greatest of these is charity, is love. John 15, 13, greater love had no man than this, than a, than a man laid down his life for his friends. God's love is so great. Isn't that just wonderful to be reminded of that? Ephesians 3, 17, 19, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. We read here that it says, which passeth knowledge. I mean, it's something that we will never in this world understand. And who knows if we ever will. That's how great God's love is. It passeth knowledge. The hymn at the cross, verse 2 reads, Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Thirdly, um, God's love is unconditional. There's so many that we can see, and this one I just have one verse, and I think it speaks for itself. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world unconditionally. So we know our source, and we know where we can go um, to get this love, or where this love comes from. And now, how do we get it? Uh, a couple years ago, there was a, a player, a basketball player, uh, Shaq. You guys may have uh, may know him. He was a he was a very uh, dominant basketball player, very good, and but he couldn't shoot free throws, and. Uh, and I don't know if, if he, this coach, who happens to be the coach for my favorite basketball player, uh, my basketball team, the San Antonio Spurs, Greg Popovich, I don't know if he came up with this, but he would use this strategy where he would foul Shaq, and he would call it, they, would, they called it Hacker Shaq, where they would foul him because he couldn't shoot free throws, right? And so instead of him going and scoring two points, then they would just foul him even when he didn't have the ball. And so the chances were that very good that he probably was not even gonna make both free throws. And so that was his strategy to try to win the game, especially in, in late situations. And I think for us, I think we also need a strategy. Uh, and, and I think Paul talks here about a strategy of our love of, of increasing and abounding in love. Uh, verse 12 reads, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love, one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. It's something that we see since it's God's love. It's He's the source. He can make us increase and abound in love. And it sounds a little bit um, scary, maybe, that we read that, that He's praying that He make us increase and abound in love. And I don't think that God wants to necessarily make us to increase or to love more because that's not the definition of love, right? To be made 
you don't want to make anybody love you or, or, or make somebody else love. Um, it's like if I just said, you know, God, can you, I can preach today on this, can you make me, can you make me increase in abundant love? Um, so Paul prays that, that, that God make them increase in abundant love. And I think that in order for somebody to make you do something, one, it's either you have to be scared of them and you do it because you're scared, or two, because you respect them, because you are in submission to them. And uh, I think that is what uh, Paul is speaking of here, that, um, that God wants us to be in submission to him as we uh, and have respect towards him, as we walk with him, as we uh, talk with him, spend time with him. And, and that is how God would make us increase in abounding love. Um, we often hear the, we often sing the song, uh, Just As I Am. And the, the version of the chorus that we, we sing at the end says, I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I believe that if God is going to make us increase and abound in love, we have to empty ourselves of our own selfishness and our own desires and, and let him fill us with his love. If we come to God empty, uh, to be filled, walking with God, spending time with Him, being in submission to Him, I think this is how God would make us increase and abound in love. The Bible tells us that it is God who worketh in us both to will and to do. In Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure as we submit to him and walk with him and pray uh, and submit our will to to him empty our hearts and our lives I think that is how God will begin to work in our hearts and and how we can increase and abound in love um, last last Sunday uh, we sang the song channels only and I think that the 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 lyrics were very fitting. Um, it says, How I praise thee, precious Savior, that thy love laid hold of me. Thou hast saved me and saved and cleansed and filled me, that I might thy channel be. Channels only, blessed Master, but with all thy wondrous power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. Emptied that thou sh should fill, fill me a clean vessel in thy hand with no power but as thou givest graciously with each command i think as part of god's strategy not only does he want it to be his strategy but i think god also wants us to be to love um james always says that his mom would tell him that uh, god doesn't move parked cars and I think that if we're going to increase and or be better in something, we have to be doing it, right? If you want to be stronger, 
you have to be working out. You can't just expect to, to, do, you know, to be stronger out of the blue. And so the same with love. I, uh, God commands us to love, to love um, one another. John 15, 12, or 12 says, This is my commandment, that, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. This word here, walk, means to thread all around, to live, to deport oneself, to follow, to be occupied with. I think God would want us, and his strategy for us to increase in the bonding love is that we be occupied in love. Um, 1 John 3, 23 and 24, And this is my commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Thirdly, uh, we saw where our source of love is and a little bit of the strategy of love, of increasing and abounding in love. And I'd like to see, I think Paul speaks of the subject of our love. Where should I, our love be directed to? He says that this is very simple, one toward another. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 9, and 10. This is um, Trevor's. Trevor is, uh, is going to be preaching on this, so I don't want to steal too much of his thunder. But it says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. So Paul says that, that we should love one toward another, meaning us as Christians, but also toward all men. If First John, John 4.20, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? Paul prays that the church in Thessalonica love one another and toward all men. And lastly, we see kind of the goal, the, the outcome of increasing and abounding in love. Paul reads on the last verse, to the end, or, or you know, what, this is what we're coming to. This is why we want to, or we should increase and abound in love. To the end, he may establish your heart unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints, that they might have their hearts established, unblameable in holiness. Um, spiritual benefit that comes as we, uh, or, or a result or an effect that comes as we increase and abound in love. The more that we grow in love, um, what it says here is that the more that we are established, and confirmed in it. This, the, this word established means to, to turn to a certain direction, to be confirmed, to be strengthened. And that is, that is the goal. Ephesians 1.4, 4, 
says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And uh, Philippians 1, 9, 11, Paul also says, And this I pray that, you, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. The word unblameable means to be without blame, irreproachable, irreproachable, faultless. And I think this this verse has a lot um, to say, a lot of uh, kind of deep theology that goes way beyond my knowledge. But looking at this this word uh, unblameable in the Bible, what I did see whenever it was talking about individuals was that these people were walking with God, that it was a result of walking with the Lord. In Genesis 17, uh, 1 and 2, talking about Abram, says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect and be thou blameless. So here we see that that God tells him to be blameless, but what did he have to do? He had to walk before God. He had to, he had to be following him. In Psalm 15, verse 1, uh, uh, the Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness, or being unblameable, and speaketh the truth in his heart. And the last verse that I have tonight, and one that's, I believe, very hard to do. Philippians 2, 14, 16. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. I think that we can kind of see the progression in this small prayer of, of Paul and his desire that as we walk with the Lord and we empty ourselves of our desires, that we would let God fill us with his love with his perfect love and that he would make us increase and abound in love. And as we are increasing and abounding in love, then he will strengthen our hearts and cause them to be established that we may be without fault, that we may strive to be holy as he calls us out to be. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this time. And Lord, I just pray that you may help us, Lord, to walk with you. Lord, to empty ourselves of our desires and 
Lord, that we may trust in you. Father, that you may fill us with your perfect, holy, eternal, great love. That we may increase and abound in your love. Lord, we need, we need you so much, Lord. And we thank you for loving us, for sending your son to die on the cross. And Lord, we just thank you for being so good to us. And we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name.